I really do enjoy the presence of God this morning. Oh, it's so amazing. I mean, isn't that what, what the world needs right now is more the presence of God. Amen? <laughs> wow. I want to introduce myself. I'm Ben Wickle. I'm one of the pastors here and want to thank anyone who's joining us for the first time. We're, we're honored that you're here and, of course, want to welcome all those who are turning in, tuning in virtually. Uh, there's a, a title for the sermon. We'll call this title uh, Renewing Your Vows. Renewing Your Vows. I think everyone with a, a brain can look at what took place this past week, this past Wednesday in our nation's capital, and you could recognize that it, it, it's, a, it's a symptom. It's a symptom that our, our, our nation is in, is in crisis. We have a civil crisis unfolding when entire demographics of people don't trust one another or because of the color of their skin or because of uh, political affiliations. We have a civil crisis. We have a constitutional crisis when, when millions, and there are millions of people, don't trust our, our elections. We have a, a moral crisis when abortion is on demand. Sex and sexuality are no longer defined by God. Greed goes unchecked. We have a moral crisis. We have a discipleship crisis when a congressman who happens to be an ordained minister of a, a mainline Protestant denomination gets up and opens just a week ago the, the, the new year for Congress and invoking and praying upon the God of, of Hinduism. We have a discipleship crisis. Now the challenge for the church is we have to be able to interpret the crisis through heaven's eyes. We can't get into our soulish earthly perspective, we really have to see what's happening through heaven's eyes, through God's eyes. And when we begin to do that, we realize, we can, we can, we can realize that, that it is Christ through the church that is the hope of the world. The question then is, if, if, if we, the church, are the hope of the world, Christ through us is the hope of the world, it begs the question, how are we to, how are we to live? How are we to, how then shall we live? How can we at Antioch, through Jesus, be God's plan A? The answer revolves around, really, three simple commandments in the scriptures. There are our three core values. Loving God, loving others, making disciples. This morning, I want us to look at that first one. That, that first command, loving God. It's our supreme calling. It's the highest endeavor that we can be called upon as a church. And when, and when we as a church, and when we can get that one right, loving God with everything, we can begin to manifest to the world the hope. The hope. Now, if you're a, a left brain thinker, here's the, here's the roadmap. Here's where we're going to go. There's three parts for the sermon. Part one is... We're going to look at what does the Scripture say. The Bible has its own commentary on the, this great commandment. I don't even have to open up by giving my commentary. We'll get to that in a minute, a few minutes. But the Bible has its own commentary on the great commandment. We'll look at that, part one. Part two is, we'll, we'll look at the commandment itself. We'll, we'll go word, word by word, looking at the great commandment itself. And then lastly, we'll look at what I call the, the great commandment journey. The great commandment, this, this 
this desire to love God with everything. It's more than a decision. It's, it's actually, it'd be helpful if we can understand that it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. So we're going to look at each of those. But before we do, let's pray. And if you don't mind, just put your hand on your heart. So we're just going to pray. Even right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that your anointing, your anointing to love you first would be present upon us, God. I pray that you would stir our hearts, Jesus. Stir our hearts. Where there's distraction, may there be focus. Where there's discouragement, may there be courage. Where there's fear, may there be love, God. Lord, we want a revelation. We want the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, God. We want to see you. We want to see what you're calling us, Lord. Thank you for your word. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, when I say the great commandment, this, uh, what commandment am I, am I talking about? What, what is, I don't mind if someone just says it. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's correct. Now, does anyone, where does that first appear in the Bible? Deuteronomy. All right. So, yeah, Old Testament. Yeah. It actually, it, it's mentioned before we get to Jesus. Jesus uses it the other three times, but the first time's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. The first time it's used, and it's given to Israel when they have, they have been set free from, from Egypt. They've been delivered. They're on the edge of their inheritance, and, and they have this command. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Now the following Three references to the great commandment appear in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three times in the Gospels. And they each involve Jesus interacting with a, a group of religious lawyers. And we're going to look at each of those passages. They're very similar, but I want us to take note at what, what Jesus affirms about the great commandment. We're going to get that biblical foundation squared away. So let's, look at, let's go to Luke first. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 28, should have it up behind me, there we go, and behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer, this is the man, he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Now, I want you to make a little mental note, put a little star in your Bibles, that right next to where it says eternal life. Great commandment, eternal life. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to it. Let's look at Matthew 22. This is the other reference of the great commandment, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34. Similar story. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus responds here. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Put a little mental note next to all the law and all the prophets. We're going to come back to that in just a second. And then the last and final reference, Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? 
Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other one besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all our understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Put a little star next to that. So let's recap. Let's recap looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke. These three passages each give us its own commentary. Back in Luke, it was in response, the greatest, the, the greatest life, the great commandment is, it leads to eternal life. So when we're talking about the great commandment, we're talking about eternal life. In Matthew, it's, Jesus says, the whole law and the whole prophets. That's his, code, that's his word for the entire Bible that they had access to. So the entire biblical summary of how they were to respond is summed up right there. Eternal life, this entire biblical summary... And then when we get to Mark, the great commandment draws the kingdom close to us. Jesus is defining for us what the great life looks like. Now let the supremacy and the gravity of the great commandment, let that sink in. For those of us who have been following Jesus for many years, try to cast off the over-familiarity of just, oh yeah, the great commandment, I've heard it. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about the summary of the whole Bible, what we're called to do. We're talking about what draws the kingdom close to us. We're talking about the, what true greatness looks like. That's what Jesus, that, that, this is the great commandment. I hope by now it has your, your attention. This is the highest calling. Let's look at part two. I told you two, three parts. Part two is let's look at the command itself. Let's look at that actual command. This is Jesus' definition of the greatest life. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, mind, and strength. Let's look at that first word, you. The command, it's individual and it's personal. It does not say they shall or we shall. It says you shall. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give account individually for our individual lives. Therefore, the, the, the invitation, the calling is for you individually. Here's the question. A couple questions, actually. Number one, have you ever, ever said, God, I, I am deciding to love you with all my heart? I didn't say, have you ever prayed a prayer and Jesus gave me my heart and I want to go to heaven? I said, have you ever said, Lord, I want to love you with everything? Have you started 2021? Last week, great sermon on goal-setting goals. I, I want to remind you, for 2021, have you, have you set the goal? Lord, for 2021, I want to love you with everything. You, you get to that decision. You shall love. Let's look at that word love. The focus is love. It doesn't say you shall serve, you shall fear. Those are good and important and necessary. It says you shall love. It's always been about a love relationship. The whole story of the Bible is really just a grand narrative of, of this divine romance. I love the, the Protestant Reformation. 
1500s, Martin Luther, John Calvin, they, they restored this precious doctrine called the justific- we are justified by faith. And it really gave what we would call in, in, in Christianity legal language. We're, we're declared righteous. So true. Hear me say that. It's so true. It's so beautiful. But I, I want to add to it a little bit. I want to say that our, the gospel is not purely summed up in a legal position. It is. But it's actually defined as a union. It's a union. It's, it's intimacy. It's affections. It's yearning for Jesus. And we in the West, yes, we, we love loving God with our minds. We need to. But we can't forget that you've heard us say a lot of times, the truth, it's not a set of theological doctrines. The truth is a person. He is a bridegroom king that we have to love. You shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord. We mentioned Deuteronomy was the first reference for this commandment. It's Hebrew. The word Lord there, there could have been a lot of words they used. There's tons of words for the Lord. The one that's used here in Hebrew in Deuteronomy is Yahweh. Now, I, I, I hate to kind of compare words and rank them, but scholars will tell you that that word Yahweh has a special significance. Yahweh communicates both, for one, it communicates his, his supremacy, his transcendence. When, when God is talking to Moses in the burning bush, and Moses is saying, well, if I'm going to go to Egypt, I need to know your name. What shall I say? And Who are you? And the Lord says, I am who I am. God is revealing himself as the eternal, self-existent, non-created one, eternal one. And that's the invitation we're called to. We're called to love Yahweh. He's transcendent. Yet while he's transcendent, he's simultaneously, he's imminent. I get that from Yahweh is also covenantal language. That's the name that he used to refer to his covenant, his unique relationship with Israel. So while he's transcendent and we want to love him and know him, fear the Lord of God and his transcendence, we also, we also get to love him in his imminence and his nearness and his covenant. That's Yahweh. And then it, it wraps up, you shall love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Encapsulating the idea of total devotion to God, the normal Christian life. I'll, I'll steal a couple titles here. It is the radical, crazy love, abandoned pursuit of Jesus. It's my fa- this is my favorite verse. Well, it was my first favorite verse. We all have lots of favorite verses. This is my first one, 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says that the eyes of the Lord, they're looking throughout the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord are here now. They're here this morning. And he's looking for hearts that are fully his so that he may show his strength to. That's what he's calling us to, this great life. Now, it's a, if it's a life, it implies a journey. True, wholehearted, radical love for Jesus, it's, it's more than just a single decision. It, it's more than just going on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip, which are, those are great. I love them. I've been on them. It's more than going to a conference, which is great. But... Radical, great commandment, love for Jesus, 
It's following Jesus for like 50 plus years and not letting your heart grow cold. That's radical Christianity. That's the great commandment. So we have to, I want to I unpack this final part, looking at it in the paradigm of a journey, of a journey. And a journey has a, has a beginning point. It has a, a rather lengthy middle part. And then there's a destination. Every journey has a destination. And, and I'm going to share some of my journey, parts of my journey, 20 years of, of, of pursuing God. And I would be lying through my teeth if the moment I... From the moment I said yes to Jesus, it was just this pure, smooth, just continual glory to glory to glory. My life, it's been more like, it's been more like this. It's, it's, it's a journey. I want to share some of those lessons that I've learned that can help us. Oh, it's a journey. Because we don't want to burn out in five years. I don't want to burn out or get offended or let my heart grow cold. So where does the journey begin? Every journey... For the great commandment has to begin here. It's with these words that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the first beatitude. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Before you can take the first step of saying, I want to love you with everything. I'm going to follow you. You actually have to realize, you have to become completely aware that you are so incapable of, of walking out the great commandment of yourself. In your own strength. And the sooner you realize it, the better. There could very well be, I, I, I wouldn't be offended about surprise, but there could be people here right now who are just going, you know what, I just, I don't really love God. I, Brad was going for it during worship, but I didn't feel anything. I just don't. I'm, I would say, that's, that's okay. God is not in shock. The sooner you can be honest with your lack of desire to really worship God, that's the better. I remember I was in middle school actually getting ready to go to high school summer. Uh, it was the summertime. I went to a Christian camp. Does anyone, anyone grow up going to Christian camps during the summer? You get saved like every year, right? Camp food, camp songs. I went to one. It was at Campbell, uh, Campbell University called Camp Conquest. And they, they do, it's, they're all fairly relatively the same Christian summer camps. You have fun games, and at the end you have like the worship songs, and then they, they peak with the ultimate worship at the end of the week with the, the marquee speaker, and like everyone's just crying, and I remember that's happening this year, and I, I was completely not receiving any of it. I, I, I just didn't, I couldn't get into it, and I'm going back to my dorm room with a couple of my friends, and I, for the first time, began to admit to them, I, I said to them, I don't even want to follow Jesus. Like, I don't, I know that he's real. I know that the gospel is true, but like, I just, I can't get into it. I don't, is there something wrong with me? And it was in that moment of just, just admitting that I was broken and that I was incapable, it, that actually switched something off in my heart. It was a turning point in my life. My prayer for you, if you are in that, and it's okay to be in that moment where you're like, or that season where you're like, I just, I don't really want to worship Jesus. My prayer for you is that you would have a Romans 5, 8 revelation. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love for us that while we were sinners, while we had no desire to worship him, 
while we were so much more in love with the things of the world, while we were so distracted and so complacent and so angry, Christ died for us. When you get that, that's my, that's my prayer for you, that it would go from here to here. That's where the journey begins, poor in spirit. But there's a, a maturation process, and this is a, a majority of our lives are spent going through seasons, tests, trials, I'll call them valleys, multiple valleys that are all designed in ways to, to purify love, to purify your hearts, to remove everything and anything that hinders intimacy. You go through these things. Let me share with you a, a, a few of these valleys that I've gone through multiple times. Every one of you will go through them. Some of you will, will, will know it immediately. You'll bear witness with what I'm talking about. Let me, let's look. I'm going to give you a valley here. If you're taking notes, this is the pursuing the great commandment for a lifetime. I got to understand that I'm going to go through seasons. And these seasons are going to test my love for him. This is, this is one. It's called the, I call it the valley of defilement. The valley of defilement. As you draw near to Jesus, particularly his holiness, he's going to begin to put his finger on things in your heart that are defiling you. For me, um, I, I coming out of this, I love Jesus season, my later teens, I want to worship you with everything. I had this unrenewed habit where I, I would love to, coarse joking, just, just talking, if you want to make someone laugh, just talk about something, you know, joke about something perverted or sexual in your endos and just start, just make people laugh. That was, I didn't know it at the time, but that was something that was, it was a habit. And I remember being 18 years old, and I wasn't the, the, the youth pastor, but I was a helper of this youth group. And there was a guy that was going there. He was about my age. He was, he was a self-pronounced atheist, and he was kind of a punk rock kid. But he still liked being a part of the youth group, and he would come, and he would hang out. Anyways, there was one Sunday in particular. There was this worship event. Presence of God fell, and I got to be a part of it. I was helping lead worship, and I was... It was amazing. Well, a couple of days after that, I'm with this, this guy. His name's Brandon. Just came to my mind. His name is Brandon. And we're just hanging out. A couple other guys. We're just talking. And we're joking. And he goes, man, I thought you would be called to be holy. I said, man, what do you mean? He said, you were just talking about it on Sunday. You're just like me. I'm telling you, it's like a knife went right through here. It opened me up to the reality that, that Jesus is calling me to be holy. He's, and we're all going to, we're all going to, we all need to face, it's a, it talks about in 2 Corinthians 7, that we're all to rid ourselves of everything that defiles us. Everything that defiles us. In our culture right now, one of the biggest things that's defiling our culture is, is sexual perversion. It's pornography, it's, it's sex before marriage, it's sex outside of marriage. And... If you are here and you're struggling with that, hey, come, I, I, I beg you, come to the light. Come, come talk to me, leaders here, and just say, hey, I need to agree with a brother and a sister that I need help. And we will help you find victory over that. But it is defiling the church. And what it does is it numbs you to the presence of God. I would encourage anyone who's maybe struggled with that, got clean, and, and, and kind of dealt, dealt with it with God. If, 
if maybe you, you've dealt with it, but you still need to confess to someone else. I remember early on in my marriage, I looked at pornography, struggling with that. By the grace of God, it didn't get too out of hand, but I dealt with it in terms of I went to the Lord, I shut it off, I said, God, I repent, I said, Lord, I forgive me, dealt with it. Years later, I'm in this season of, Jesus, I love you, I want you, I'm drawing close to me, and the Lord's going, I want you to confess that to your wife. And I'm like, Lord, I already did that with you. <laughs> got to do that? I got the blood of Jesus, right? right there. And it was, it, was, it was one of the, it felt like one of the hardest things in the moment. But by the grace of God, I said, okay, Lord. And it, it, it blessed my marriage. It blessed my relationship. Ultimately, it blessed my relationship with the Lord. It drew me closer. We will all go through the valley of defilement. Let me give you another valley. The valley of disillusionment. Now, the disillusionment will happen in so many ways to so many different people. Uh, let me give you just one way that it, it, I went through that, that valley. I was graduated college, NC State, got a history degree, and, and I was young enough where I was like, I'm going to change the world. I love Jesus. It's kind of that young person's disease, young man's disease, all zeal, all passion. And, but I needed to get a job, and I couldn't get a, a full-time job, so I had to get like a couple of different part-time jobs to get to full-time. And one of them was with the, the YMCA, which I had been working with for several years. And so here I am, zeal, passion, change the world, love Jesus. I'm going to love you with everything. And I'm doing what's called early arrivals. I don't know if people are familiar with early arrivals. It's where kid, parents drop off their kids at school real early, like 7 in the morning. they got to go to work. And I'm a counselor, and we just hang out in stinky school cafeterias. You guys remember the stinky cafeteria smell? That smell in the, the cafeteria, it's like a mixture of like, like milk with, with cardboard, kind of like the, the cartons with, I don't know, cardboard cheese. Like it's like, that, it has that smell, like Play-Doh. It's like, so I'm there five days a week playing hungry, hungry hippos with, at seven in the morning. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm complaining. I'm disillusioned. Because I can't seem to understand that I can love God in this season. If you have disillusionment, recognize that, the, that, you, that you have illusions in the first place. And that God wants to restore your vision. He wants to restore your vision. Then there's the valley of discouragement. Again, discouragement will hit you all in various ways ways, shapes, and forms. We've all been discouraged. For me, this is a season I'm, I'm currently in, struggling with discouragement in this way. I know how to love Jesus when it's just me, but sometimes it's hard to love Jesus when you're, you're trying to carry a spouse and you're trying to carry kids. And you got, parents know this, it's late nights, it's early mornings, it's diapers, it's like and you just feel guilty, there's performance, there's, there's, you wrestle with that. And, you know, as parents, we, we're like, all right, we're going to force, we're going we're to put our kids on our backs and we're just going to go for it. <laughs> Have you ever tried to prophesy over someone while disciplining your kids? I did it once. I was at a, not too long ago, there was a worship event here somewhere, yeah, in this building. And thank God the person came up and they were like, they, they said, hey, I need prayer. 
and they just start, it's late at night, by the way, it's 9 o'clock, which is like, it's already way past your kid's bedtime by then. So you're, already, you're in bad waters already, and there's this worship event, and the kids are oh, kind of starting, slowly melting down, but right when we're kind of getting ready to pack up and leave, someone comes up and says, hey, I just need prayer, and they just begin like, crying, opening up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, ministry opportunity, all right, I gotta, here I go, and thankfully, like, when I say, hey, it's time to pray, like, they closed their eyes, thankfully, they closed their eyes, so they wouldn't have to witness what was happening off three feet behind them, and so I'm like, I've never done this before, all right, so I'm like, I'm, I'm in the spirit, and I'm in the flesh at the same time, I don't know how it's possible, but I'm in the spirit, and I'm pro, I'm like, okay, Lord, and just, just Holy Spirit, come, and I'm looking over, my kid, the kids are like fighting, they're hitting each other, and I'm having to look, Jesus, get your hands, I lay, I lay my hands on my brother in the name of Jesus, you're going to love your brother, I love my brother, I'm just, I'm just going back and forth, back and forth, it was discouraging, a little bit, that person had no idea, so they got blessed. They got blessed. But we all go through these seasons where, I, for me, this lesson, I haven't figured it completely out, but it's been a lesson where I'm, look, okay, Lord, I have, to, I have to learn to worship you and love you, even in these mundane, these messy ways. These mundane and messy ways. Let me give you another valley, the valley of distraction. Here's one that I'm still in, still trying to figure it out. As you get older, you, you accumulate more possessions, you desire relaxation, you desire recreation, you desire comfort, you desire entertainment. I like my king bed, I like my soft sheets, I like my instant streaming, I like it when my phone goes, dun 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 like I, I love, it's just, just being real, I love that stuff. But how do I steward these blessings in a way that doesn't cultivate a complacency? First Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not put out. Do not extinguish the fire. Romans 12.11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. The word for zeal there is red hot. Red hot. C- approaching the New Year's, I preemptively did what Jesse Harris talked about last week, setting goals. I knew the New Year was coming. I'm like, okay, I just want to get my focus. I'm distracted. And I, I just, you feel distracted, just, just open up the book of Revelation. <laughs> you want to get focused, you want to get sobered up, <laughs> look at Revelation. And I'm in Revelation chapter 2, this is just a couple weeks ago. And, I, and I, Jesus is addressing this, the church at Ephesus, and I'll just kind of get down to the, towards the end of it. He says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand. That doesn't mean Jesus is going to remove their salvation, but he'll remove the ministry influence. And I was, I was reading this verse, and it, uh, you have, uh, while I'm reading this verse, and this is what I pray for anyone right now, is that I had this, I call it the Ephesians 1 moment. That's where Ephesians 1 says, where the, may the, this, the, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. That's when you get, you, your head comes up for water. <gasps> in life, and you go, he's real, he's coming, I need to get focused. That's, that's what happened. We need to be focused. There's several valleys. There's probably more. Let me end with 
the great commandment, where the journey ends. See, the journey has a, has a destination. And this, this pursuit of loving God with everything, it's not an end in and of itself. The maturation and the, the transformation that we're going through right now, it's actually preparing us for something, for someone. Three words. Everyone repeat after me. Great wedding feast. The great wedding feast. Now, I know eschatology, end times, a lot of debate, yet we can't afford to make it the, the marginalized doctrine. There are some things that are so clear about what's coming. And one of them is that there's a cosmic wedding. There's a cosmic wedding coming, approaching. Let me, I don't know if you knew this, but there are three parts to a Jewish wedding for Jesus back in the day. The first part was when the bridegroom or the parents of the bridegroom would pay a down payment, a dowry to the bride or the bridegroom's family. Hopefully you're seeing the parallels here. The second part of the wedding, I didn't know this, so I did a little research, was that there was the torchlight parade, that the bridegroom would come at midnight with his servants, with his friends, torches in procession to go retrieve the bride. Now the bride was in anticipation. The bride knew the bridegroom was coming. So what is she doing? She's preparing herself. She's waiting. She's preparing herself. She's getting ready. And then lastly, the bridegroom takes the bride and they go to the bride. They go to the feast. And that's, we're, we're, right now, we are living in between the following the down payment, the blood of Jesus. That, that's been paid. But we are now awaiting the torchlight parade when the procession, the heavenly procession, Jesus is coming, the trumpets, the loud shout, and he's coming and he's coming for us. And he's going to get us and he's going to take us to what John or Revelation 19, 7 says, John describes the wedding feast. Let us rejoice and be glad. Give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. One of the last words of the Bible one of the last words of the church, Revelation twenty two seventeen. it says, The Spirit and the bride say, come. What God is wanting to do in this crisis, in our nation's crisis, is pour out an anointing upon the church to finally identify as the bride. That's the word that's used to describe the church here. It's not an army. It's not a body. It's, it, are, it is those things, but... In Revelation, it's a bride. When the church, when the people of God, when we finally accept and receive the, and walk out the great commandment, the anointing to love God with everything, everything because we're the bride waiting for that day, that's when the world's going to see the hope. The hope through us. A vision of the wedding day. So we need a vision of the wedding day. That is the power behind the church, the bride's commitment to the great commandment. So here's, I'll end with this, this question. You know, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. What would your life look like? What would 2021 look like if you 
say, I, I, I'm going want, to, I want this year to be just one focus, loving God with everything. Make that one goal. What would it look? Do that, do that exercise. What would my life look like if I actually, like I did it, I loved you with everything? You see, before the love of God can sweep these streets for revival, it needs to consume our hearts. And that's the invitation this morning. It's the invitation to renew your vows. And it's to say, Jesus, I want to be that one where your eyes can stop upon so I can give you my heart full of yours. Let's do this. Let's stand up. We're just going to have a, we're going to have a time of ministry. We're going to just, we're just going to, we're going to say, Jesus, we want to renew our vows. you to come to the front. I invite you to, doesn't matter where you're at. I want you to ask Jesus, what would my life look like? What would my life look like if I give you everything? Lord? If I love, if I love you, if I return back to the purity and simplicity of devotion to you, Jesus. God, I pray this morning. that you would release a grace upon us. One, a grace that will enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we would see, we would know the hope to which we are being called to, the riches of your glorious inheritance, Jesus. We're going to invite our, our, our ministry team to come to the front and and I'm going to invite anyone who wants to come to the front, just like we were, did before, and just say, Jesus, I want to renew my vows. I want, you can have lots of goals, but I want, I want to have goal number one for 2021 is to be, Lord, you. I want to love you, Jesus. Jesus, we invite you. Come. We ask for an anointing. We ask for an anointing, Jesus to love you with everything. Lord, may that be the number one prayer request of our hearts. Lord, help us stay focused on you, Jesus. Return us. Help us remember. Remember, Lord, the love we had at first, God. 